Welcome, you're listening to Sidious Playground, a podcast by Leadership Foundations. I'm Rick Enlow, and I'm here with Dave Hillis, and we are continuing our conversation on Eucharistic leadership. And Dave, you are the most Eucharistic leader I know, and we're going to be talking <laughs> about blessed today, and I'm blessed to be with you. How are you doing? I'm good, Rick. Thank you. Now, this is a whisper cast, which is a, a concise sort of we sort of tee up the idea or we introduce the idea for a feature length podcast where we have a guest. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're going to be talking about maybe you could give us a little bit of a, you know, kind of a, a running start toward uh, Eucharistic leadership. And then we'll talk about our guest in the uh, in the in the feature length. Sounds great. Well, again, I think just to remind our listeners a couple things that we've been trying to, to think about as it relates to Eucharistic leadership. This, of course, is the theme, the theological theme that we at the uh, LF Central Office are talking about each week on our, our staff call. And, you know, the, one of the big ideas, Rick, behind that was what you and I have talked about many times, and that is that if this metaphor of city as playground um, is as revolutionary, as groundbreaking as we believe it to be, mm -hmm. uh, then it should have some kind of effect on the kind of leadership that is taking place um, so that's what we've been you know, talking about here and thinking about. And we think that uh, maybe the best effect or the, the way that it would be most shaped is this idea of Eucharistic leadership. Mm -hmm. um, and that Eucharistic leadership um, you know, isn't just the sacrament, uh, as important as that is, and, you know, as one theologian calls it, the, you know, the mother of all sacraments, mm -hmm. um, but that it, it actually goes beyond um, kind of the, the liturgy uh, and, and becomes really a way of life, a way of seeing things, a way of being. And I think we get evidence of that in Jesus. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, some of the most scandalous things he says is when he likens himself um, to being Eucharist, uh, right? That you can't actually be my disciple if you don't uh, eat of me, mm -hmm. uh, partake of me. Mm -hmm. So that, I think, has been one you know, thing that we've been trying to think about is what does that look like? I think the second part, which is equally as important, uh, is that uh, leadership really is a social construction. Um, and again, going back to the old debate of, you know, uh, do you just have it or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, are you born with it or, you know, do you have to somehow create it? And mm -hmm. I think, again, leadership foundations in that context uh, really comes down definitively on the side of uh, it is something that you can uh, cultivate, uh, you can bring forth, you can get better at it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the Eucharistic leadership, uh, we think, is, is a way to do that. Again, this idea of being taken, of being blessed, mm -hmm. of being broken, and ultimately being given. Yeah, and for th some of those listeners who don't spend a week uh, every once in a while at a monastery, like uh, <laughs> Dave has invited me to do. Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I told him, hey, uh, I'm really enjoying this conversation about Eucharistic leadership. And they go, what's Eucharistic? And I go, well, you know, um, communion. And they go, oh, yeah, you mean the Lord's table, right? So there are some from traditions who yeah. don't have uh, traditional language. And so, of course, the idea of Jesus um, at the Last Supper uh, taking the bread, mm -hmm. 
took it, you know, and blessed it, broke it, and then gave it. So that's those are the movements of this leadership. And so, uh, mm -hmm. in case you're just getting, uh, you know, you're you're just joining in, and you have like that solid, uh, you know, non-Catholic background. You know, we want you to hook in. <laughs> what's going on? Uh, and that's that's the voice that I represent, by the way. You know, you know, Eastern well, Washington, is, Hicksville. You know, but I'm well, catching on. This is why on. we're having a good dialogue. <laughs> yeah, so, but but uh, that one of the things that was great about. Um, you know, the, the taken is it's so fundamental to this conversation and this, this, you know, this picture of Eucharistic leadership, because if you, uh, believe or you're, you know, you're, you begin to operate on the idea that, um, you've been taken, you know, you've been called, you've been, mm -hmm. you've been, you know, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, this is something that's been, uh, you know, sort of bestowed versus, you know, achieved that is then now you're ready, uh, to sort of walk into this second movement. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, again, the, the backdrop, and you, you say it well, Rick, the idea of being taken um, is a direct, uh, what I would describe as, as antidote to the leadership that understands is everything is about possession. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you can just feel this tangibly in the political discourse today, or if you show up to a, you know, a church meeting and we're talking about, you know, what color napkins or mm -hmm. it's this notion that that, you know, my leadership is coming in here to, you know, to possess this reality. Yeah. And, and my leadership is as good as I get my way. Yeah. And to be taken is to be able to sit in these places and recognize that it's not about my possession. It's about the fact that I've already been taken and then I can now maybe do one of the most holy things of all, and that's become non-anxious presence. Mm -hmm. So in the same way with regard uh, to blessed, um, blessed uh, is a direct response to the leadership idea about that it's all provisional, mm -hmm. um, that I show up to this meeting or, you know, I come into this you know, particular context and I am a good leader to the degree um, that I have been able to get my way. And the way we describe it in Leadership Foundations is that you live in a world of if-then. Uh, if I do this, uh, then I'll be okay. Yeah. And to have blessed leadership or to have leadership that, that is shaped by this idea of being blessed is that you move from this if-then paradigm to what we describe as because therefore. Mm -hmm. Because these things are just true. Because the fact God just does love you that Rick uh, Enlow is my brother. There's no, you mm -hmm. know, there's no condition to that. You are my brother. Because of that, therefore, you and I can have this conversation uh, freely, uh, openly, candidly, uh, because there's nothing hanging in the balance mm -hmm. of it. So that's why this is so important. It deals with a very, uh, you know, real reality that it sits in our cities all over the world. Uh, and to become playgrounds, we have to move from this if-then reality to a because-therefore. Yeah, that's so true. You know, I, I heard a pastor just recently, and he's from uh, uh, Uganda. And mm. he, he was just so funny because he described the fact that he went into this, you know, sort of spiritual leadership position hoping to get some stuff. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> he thought, you know, hey, maybe mm-hmm. I can get. And one of the things he thought is he'd get like a, a crowd of people to listen to him. Right. This was kind of his motivation. And, uh, you know, you, you kind of the if then thinking mm-hmm. all the way down the line. And so, of course, nobody showed up. You know, I mean, very <laughs> few people. So he was having this uh, big argument with, you know, God in prayer saying, mm-hmm. you know, you're you know, you said you'd build your church and you're, you're not any good at it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he said, which I thought was so uh, kind of eloquent and beautiful, was he said he thought the people were supposed to come because he was special. And then what the idea that he got in, in prayer was that, no, um, you're supposed to show up because the people are special. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, and that's excellent. Yeah, yeah, it was just a total, uh, yeah. you know, reconstruction of what he was thinking a leader was about. Yeah. And I think that this part of uh, the Eucharistic movement sort of speaks to that. Um, yeah. Talking about, you know, what is blessing, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, I mean, I think is a beautiful segue into, you know, there's so many places in the scripture uh, where this, this concept of, of blessing or blessed comes up. But I don't think there's any place that maybe more prominently displays it uh, than the Beatitudes. Um, yeah. you know, Jesus's discourse, uh, particularly in, in Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, and of course it comes up again in Luke, which is called the Sermon on the Plain. Mm-hmm. But uh, it depends the, on which direction you're coming from. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. But I, uh, I oftentimes, uh, in fact, Stanley Hauerwas, who we've talked about before, um, has this great comment. Where he says, you know, at the end of Matthew 4, uh, Jesus appears to have his A game going. Uh, mm-hmm. And the scripture literally says, you know, anybody that was brought to, uh, to Jesus was healed and, you know, things yeah. were taking place. And so Hauerwas provocatively says, if you had that much juice, why would you then decide to preach for three chapters, <laughs> you know, and uh, and so he says it's because, of course, you know, people were becoming addicted to this way, and Jesus understood that, and that that they needed to have this different sense of, of mm-hmm. what it means to uh, to live and to be, and so of course, immediately then the nine beatitudes, you know, blessed are, and I think to your point, Rick. Um, what Jesus does, um, as he oftentimes does, is he takes a Greek word, I don't pronounce it quite right, but Marcos, and historically, prior to Jesus' usage, uh, it was a, a word that was only used with the gods. Um, so the notion is is that if you used Marcos, it would be, well, you must be talking about the gods because mm-hmm. only they are blessed. Yeah. And then a little bit later in its evolution, it got to a place of, well, there appears to be a lot of people here on earth that have, you know, big cars and big chariots and all of that. So they too are Maricos. Mm-hmm. So, you know, here's the tradition, right? And all of a sudden now Jesus grabs that very same word and says, Maricos are you who mourn, mm-hmm. who thirst, who are persecuted. And you can just imagine, uh, Rick, the crowd sitting around, you know, again, ready for one more sermon on Maricos and how, yeah, I know I'm not a god and I know I don't have a big mansion. And to begin to hear words that are all together like their lives mm-hmm. and them saying, you mean that's to be blessed? Yeah. Uh, it, it's just this kind of earth-shattering moment um, and that's exactly what I think the Eucharistic you know understanding of blessing does is yes you're blessed but you're blessed in a way that the world doesn't recognize it yeah um, the world can't even 
articulate it uh, because yeah. it is so other. It is so upside down. Yeah. It, I, when Jesus began to talk about blessed, which is funny because it's the only time we say blessed instead mm-hmm. of blessed. We go, hey, we were blessed, but blessed are, you know, we mm-hmm. like kind of we switch it over because mm-hmm. we're trying to convey that, you know, that idea that you're saying. But yeah, it, it's like, it, it, like Jesus made a blessing a handicap accessible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is, like you said, I would never have thought of it. That, that it, it was, was perfect. Before it was just, you got to climb the yep, steps right. and you're, right. you know, and all of a sudden he just, he says, look, um, you know, you didn't, you're not seeing the blessing, Yeah. you know, and you talk about when in a city, you know, if you were to say, okay, well, let's go to the part of the city where the big chariots and the, you know, and the giant, you know, houses are, mm-hmm. um, that's not where we see the blessing in, in this description. And you can see on the playground, um, you know, those who are desperate for mm-hmm. some help, those who are, um, that are, you know, going through some deep waters. And I, I even think last time when we mm-hmm. talked to Larry, mm-hmm. uh, in our previous podcast, which if you haven't listened to, you need to go listen to that. But mm-hmm. you know, what I loved about him is that he, he was just saying when he talks to people who are looking to, um, you know, to be a leader in a city, he tries to figure out who loves the city. Yeah. That's not great. Who loves it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and when he talked about, you know, the, the folks that are, uh, like the the folks that are under-resourced, you know, instead of saying, well, you know, I'm here to try to, uh, you know, you know, really give my hand up or, you know, whatever hand out. He says, no, I'm looking for somebody who says, I love those people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those people are the most interesting, Mm -hmm. intriguing and resourceful people around, you know? So to me that, that the, um, the, the lens, or I guess you'd say the filter for mm-hmm. which you look at a city, you know, there could be it. almost, it's almost like a, a little bit of a litmus test for, for Eucharistic leadership. If somebody went through the city and said, well, I don't see God's blessing here at all. Yeah. Well, uh, Jesus is helping us with, you know, what that, what, what we're supposed to be looking for. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. Yeah. And, you know, maybe just a couple more things about this, um, you know, really set of beatitudes. Um, there's a, there's a old, kind of understanding about how people would hear the scripture back you know in these days and of course things weren't written down it was all oral and so you know the very practical question is how do you remember something and uh and and particularly how do you remember that which is most important and so there's a there's a literary device um it was called a, a chiasm and the notion was is that you would have something like nine beatitudes and um you know, the first one would sort of imitate the second one. So in this text, the very first one says, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And of course, the last one is uh, blessed are the persecuted and the righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So that's the that's mm-hmm. the chiasm, right? So as yeah. it moves closer, what every hearer would have known is, OK, what is going to be the beatitude in the middle because yeah. that's going to be the one most important. Yeah. That's where the frosting is in the, in the cake. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and, and Jesus again, being a, you know, just a master at this, uh, he's putting this together. Well, what sits right in the middle, uh, of, of the beatitudes and, and, and we know there's something special about it because it's the only beatitude that is its own reward. Mm-hmm. And that is blessed are the merciful, mm-hmm. right? Every other one is, you know, Blessed are, you know, the meek, they'll inherit the earth. Yeah. You know? Blessed are the mourn, they'll be comforted. But the, there's something about mercy that is its own reward. 
Um, and and I, I find that, again, just a, a bit breathtaking that, mm -hmm. that as we think about um, this concept of Eucharistic leadership and blessing, and if we use the Beatitudes as sort of a blueprint by which to understand what does this blessing actually look like, could it be argued that, that the ultimate blessing, you know, the ultimate sense of blessed leadership um, is when you are actually being merciful. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm convinced, Rick, that, again, as I think about cities and, you know, work with the leadership foundations in the, you know, 40-plus cities that we're working in, um, some of the most stunning reports that we are getting you know, with you know, just things happening and, and cities actually becoming more like playgrounds rather than battlegrounds is, is when you ask our local leadership foundation presidents, well, tell me how this happened. Uh, mm -hmm. There is always this quality of mercy. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's like it envelops all that they did, whether it's a housing project or a health clinic or mentoring kids. It's, it's this notion of it's, it's mercy. Yeah, um, I've been shown it, and so I'm going to show it. And, yeah, and that's the deal. Wow, I mean, that is, I think, uh, so helpful because when we, um, you know, we don't often spend our days, you know, even applying for, you know, mercy grants, you know, or whatever, mm -hmm. you know what mm -hmm. I mean. But but if we see what we're doing, you know, in that way, mm -hmm. it brings so much meaning, you oh, know, yeah. to our activities, and like you, you can see also where when Jesus was giving this, uh, you know, this discourse that, um, you know, that's one of the reasons, like you said, that th this structure, there's nine of them, you know, because mm -hmm. you walk toward, you mm -hmm. know, th the central idea and then walk away from it. Mm -hmm. And uh, wow. I mean, I think that's amazing. And in, in that light, we're going to talk to somebody in our feature length podcast who's going to help us uh, see through that particular lens uh, of mercy and uh, of uh, blessing. And so uh, talk to me about our guest. Yeah, we, uh, we're going to have the great privilege of talking with Sarah Melchior. Um, Sarah has been a, and I'm, I hesitate almost to say this now because I'm going to date myself. Uh, <laughs> too, some, too late. <laughs> too late. Uh, but Sarah's been a, a colleague and friend, uh, you know, for the last now almost two decades. Um, I first got to know Sarah um, through uh, our work at the Northwest Leadership Foundation, which, of course, is one of our leadership foundations. Um, Sarah, in particular, uh, was my, kind of my right hand uh, for an initiative that we ran for almost, you know, almost 13 years. Mm. It was called uh, the Theological Roundtable. And what we would do is every Wednesday night, we would just simply open up the doors to our office. And we, the basic idea was that we, like Karl Barth said many years ago, uh, the proper posture of a Christian is to hold the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other hand and do so with equal integrity. And so we would just do that week after week after week. And Sarah was, uh, was kind of the North Star of, mm -hmm. of that whole thing. So got to know her through that. She put her hand to a number of, of other projects as well. Of course, all of that was as volunteer because sure. her professional life is she's been an educator um, in elementary, uh, particularly reading uh, for students that have a hard time reading uh, has been her specialty. She's a nationally board certified teacher. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, she uh, ended up, uh, before she went uh, and got married and, and moved out of Tacoma, 
uh, was a counselor at Stadium High School for mm -hmm. a number of years and again just did uh, remarkable things. She and her uh, husband Jason uh, have been stationed, he's a uh, captain in the Army, have been stationed in Albuquerque, New Mexico here for the last I think almost three years and he just got re, uh, I don't know how they say this in military terms, reappointed mm -hmm. or re-stationed or something, uh -huh. actually at the Pentagon. Um, and so they have just made a cross-country uh, trip and have arrived in Washington, D.C. here uh, all of about a week ago. Wow. And, uh, and so she'll uh, be living there. But in all that, she, about two years ago, joined us on the Leadership Foundation um, organization. She is the... Um, administrator for Network Impact and Member Services. And so Sarah's the one that uh, deals with all of our local leadership foundations in terms of their needs for, you know, I need this form or, you know, can you tell me, you know, where the next meeting's going to be mm -hmm. or have you got the SOI tool down, et cetera. So she's a great friend, great colleague, <clears throat> and a very important uh, person in terms of the LF uh, organization. Well, I look forward to that conversation with her. In fact, one of the things I think that this podcast, in case uh, anybody's new to it, uh, one of the things it does is not only introduces us to the topic at hand, but also gives us uh, an introduction to some of the people mm -hmm. that over time, all the way back from the be actually the beginning uh, mm -hmm. of Leadership Foundations. And I think that, um, for me at least, uh, I haven't met all of these people until we interview them or get a chance to talk to them. And it gives me a sense that, wow, uh, no wonder, uh, you know, things are in, in great shape because the the quality of the, the people, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and their, uh, you know, the the sort of truth that they hold in their hand as they, uh, you know, as they head out into the different cities is, is really remarkable. And we're going to find that uh, to be true, I'm sure, with Sarah as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, listen, that's going to be coming up. So you Whispercast uh, listeners can uh, maybe bounce that around online and let everybody catch up with us and then... Uh, uh, stay tuned for our feature-length podcast with Sarah. And uh, this is Rick Enlow. I'm with Dave Hillis. And if you have any questions or uh, you want to send us any sort of advice or, you know, you know, or <laughs> affirming, you know, yes, affirming any, emails, anything, yeah, uh, you can uh, uh, reach out to us at info at leadershipfoundations.org. Look forward to that, Dave. All right, Rick. Thank you.